0: welcome to this week's edition of the dan rayburn podcast the show that curates the streaming media industry news that matters most unvarnished unscripted and providing you with the factual data you need to know without any of the hype the pulse of the streaming media industry welcome to the dan rayburn podcast i am dan rayburn And joining me today, I am having a special guest on the podcast for a new podcast series that I am rolling out called Executive Interviews. So, in addition to the podcast I do every week with Mark Donegan that recaps the news of the week and what you really need to know, especially from a number standpoint, one of the things I also want to do is bring in other perspectives from other executives in the market and what's taking place. So, this new podcast series called Executive Interviews, three to four times a month, I'll pick an executive from the industry from all different facets of the industry. So it might be from an OTT platform, content owner distributor, sports league, a vendor, uh, also those on the infrastructure side that are making a lot of this happen on the back end. And we'll focus each podcast on a particular topic. So today we're going to focus on fast. There's so much information out there on fast. There's so much news coming out. Media seems to constantly be talking about what can, should or will happen with FAST and how big it's going to get. We've also recently had Netflix talk about in their in their earnings for Q4. They're asked a question around FAST and said they're not adding it now, but they're open to looking at it. So that definitely peaked interest with with those on Wall Street and members of the media. So today's topic is going to be fast. Joining me is Kevin McGurn. Kevin is the president of sales and distribution for Vivo. So Kevin, thanks for joining me today appreciate you being here to talk.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's jump right into the first question, Kevin, I want to ask you, which is, how do you or Vivo, either individually or as a company, define FAST? And the reason I ask you that question is, it's such a broad term these days, and I feel like FAST has been around a long time. To me, FAST is really just simulated live, where you're making a playlist, which we've had in the industry for 20 years. So how do you how do you define fast? How do you see it as being different than what we've been doing previously?
1: Yeah, I think for Vivo we we look at it maybe in a little bit more of an evolved way as as music television, it's a 24/7 programmed channel um and you know we represent 15 options of channels that are distributed across all the free ad supported streaming TV networks. But I think in a nutshell to me it's it's the new wave of broadcast TV. I think, you know, We've been able to have you know free ad supported distribution for quite some time, but when we get into the fast business, we've done much more along lines of programming, um you know having a real aesthetic that looks and feels like a network experience um, and choice that spans both you know kind of lean back and passively deliver content, but with with enough channels to support something that feels a little bit more vod.
0: Okay, so really what you're talking about there is variety in the lineup of the content. What is Vivo offering right now so listeners know just in terms of what your fast initiatives are, in terms of how many channels you have out and where you are from a distribution platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have 34 structured uh, relationships around the globe for distribution of music, television. Um, you know, Most of those are 24-7 fast channels. Um, we have 15 channels that we program currently. Um, they range anywhere from genre-based, um, you know, like pop and country and hip hop, to you know 90s and 80s and 70s thematically, to pop-up channels like Vivo Holiday that that run you know around uh, around Christmas time. So um, we've done quite a bit to reinvent what. Music video experience looks like on TV. Um, and we've been focused solely on the living room for quite some time. Um, but as you remember, we also have lots of distribution um, that comes through YouTube proper. But we saw huge growth in the YouTube connected TV app, uh, which is much more of a video on demand experience traditionally. But when you get into the living room, um, while not fast technically, um, there is a playlisting experience that passively delivers music videos, one after the next.
0: So I think Vivo has a pretty unique fast offering here simply because of the genre of your content. You're not trying to be everything to everybody. So we think about the Roku channel and some of the other services out there with fast. they're, They're doing news, sports, pretty much everything you can possibly think of. So when it comes to the content you're offering, at some point, are we just offering too many options for consumers where we're overwhelming them? And the reason I ask that is I recently posted up on LinkedIn and I just said, with with so many fast channels, is it too much choice for com- consumers? And what was fascinating was just in, in a couple days, it got over 30,000 views and 61 people left comments. Everybody wanted to debate or argue, fortunately, nicely, uh, what they thought fast should be. And a lot of people talked about either the monetization options or how AI and machine learning really has to help build channels for people on the fly. But for what you're doing, it's pretty unique. What you're seeing in the market overall, at what point is it just too many options for consumers?
1: Yeah, I think we come at it a little bit differently, as you suggest. Um, one being part of the music business, um, and as it intersects with the media business, we have a genre of content you know, that's kind of holistically represented by Vivo. When it comes to too much choice, I mean, I I come from you know kind of the Hulu aggregator school of thought, where where many of us um, kind of first learned about TV disruption. But there's no such thing as too much choice, Um, and you know I truly believe that the customer will find you know the thing that they want to watch and watch when they want to watch it. So our strategy has always been to have ubiquitous distribution, to have our content in the neighborhoods that people frequent and that will give us the best opportunity to show them what they want when they want it and you know the thing that i would say that's unique to us as you mentioned is that the music catalogs that we represent are so vast and the you know kind of the choice and the taste of each individual viewer is so unique is so niche that you have to represent a huge body of content if you go back more than 15 years uh, music videos stopped being programmed on a linear basis in in network TV. And I think that was mostly due to the fact that it's very hard to program a single hour or even 24 seven, you know, channels that all of us would watch together that would get a rating point that was worthy of advertising support. So music is a very personal choice. It has a perfect intersection of video on demand and, and programmed content, you know, passively delivered content where we are the taste maker. We're giving you both um, optionality and discovery for what you can watch and you know i think the content that we represent has fit so perfectly in ip delivered tv and delivered a promise of what music television was meant to be um And we found a great success in the viewership, a great success in the popularity. And I think viewers have voted with their time to say that this is actually something they want to watch. They want to watch it for long periods of time, typically more than a half an hour uh, per session on average. um, across Half an hour.
0: Interesting. That's what I was going to ask next was just on the engagement side. What do you actually see from that? To your point, you're absolutely right. Music is unique to all of us, different tastes, interests, and and. I think about music videos, it's also funny because I guess it shows how old we were. And at one point, MTV was actually for music videos. And then it stopped doing that, to your point, stopped programming that. But what is that engagement that you're seeing? And also, are you seeing it more in certain settings as far as devices or platforms?
1: yeah so um so the half an hour length is really our our living room sessions. The mass majority of our distribution is to the living room. They're through connected television apps and fast services. Um, we're seeing a co viewing factor that ranges anywhere from one point six to over two, um which is the number of people that are watching at a you know at a given time in the room. We use a service called T-Vision and also use Nielsen um, to measure that. And you know it's very much a it's very much a linear broadcast type experience. Um, we do a fair amount to cross promote our content from one channel to the next. So you know if if you think about the recommendation engines that you know these major SVOD services represent, they have a chance to change your viewing experience or to have you watch something different. Call it at minimum every thirty minutes. We have that same opportunity or that risk to have someone change their viewing experience every four minutes on average. So to get that watch time up above a half an hour, we have to be really good about what we program, about what you watch and what you're gonna watch next. And you know, the the depth of our catalog allows us to do that. And I think the popularity of the artists that are making music videos today and the quality with which they're making music videos is representative of that length of tune you know, that that more than 30 minutes on average. So um, we're very pleased with that. You know, I wouldn't say that going into it, we were expecting um, to have that good of an experience and that much, you know, that much viewership over that period of time. But when you sit back and think about it and you think about how we grew up on, on music television and, you know, the lengths of which we would stare into the screen and, and wait for our favorites to come up, um, it does make sense to me. Uh, and and we're, we're really pleased with the progress that we've made and, and there's a lot more growth to come. I mean, we're not, we are not distributed on every single service that's out there. We're still business developing and, and launching new services, um, including, you know, in, in the, in the month of December, we launched on Hulu and launched on freebie, uh, for Amazon. So those were two big, you know, new services that are more in the virtual MVPD and fast lane. But, um. You know, that's the same type of experience that we're syndicating um, to all of our endpoints. And in fact, an interesting uh, tidbit is that when we saw the uptick and the the stickiness of our channel lineup, our VOD apps um, used to be, you know, simply carousels and search engine uh, toolbars so you could find exactly what you wanted. Um, We changed that. So actually, now when you enter our VOD apps, you're presented with an EPG. Because it's such a better experience and it increases your watch time by so much. Having just linear program channels presented to you first, um, that we, and we learned that from the fast world. Um, and we actually applied it, where many others would not think that that was a great idea. We applied it to the VOD world. Now, you go one step below and there's all the optionality that you want for search and discovery and recommendation. But um, the first thing we want to present people is a lean back experience to watch a channel.
0: Yeah, that's interesting what you've learned just from consumer behaviors because you are still somewhat fairly new to this. So talking about that, just sort of what you're learning from investing in FAST the way you are, what are the monetizations out there, the options for monetization that you think will actually take hold? Because we hear so much about FAST, but no company I've ever seen has ever publicly disclosed any sort of revenue from FAST. I'm not asking you that question. I know you can't either. But what's just some of the trends you're seeing where for all the channels of fast out there, it costs you money to produce this. It costs you money to distribute it. So can companies actually show profit from their fast, right? I don't know what the margins are or how they look at that. But is it something that can be sustainable and profitable going forward?
1: You know, what's interesting is the barrier to entry for linear TV, um, you know, was so high with traditional cable models and that barrier to entry has come way down that's why you see lots of different types of content maybe digital first content being programmed on a 24 7 basis so i think there is some efficiency to be derived from that um you know and and just the recognition that there's content out there that never saw the light of day on more traditional television that you're seeing on fast networks today um that said you know i think vivo is a different proposition um we, we absolutely have a healthy business running on fast. Um, it's, it's by far our largest growth business. It's in the highest demand with advertisers. Our sell through rate is extremely high, typically sold out. Um, you know, certainly towards the end of quarters and in the fourth quarter, completely sold out on TV. Um, so we have maybe a little bit of a different, um, experience than many. We sell all of our inventory as. A first party sales team. Um, I think there is a lot of pooling of inventory and and programmatic uh, sell through on smaller, fast channels, maybe less developed uh, companies or or maybe absent of a sales team themselves.
0: So that's interesting. You're selling 100% of your ads. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: And so, you know, when we talk about being a, a, a television network, it is that, you know, it is a studio and network relationship. The studios are all the music labels in the world where we get our content from. And we're the network that programs them and monetizes them. Um, and, and that's a very, very you know, new concept for the music video um, and, and the music business as we're a joint venture of Universal Music and Sony Music. Um, but the revenue that we've been able to increase through the growth of connected TV impressions has dramatically changed the face of monetization for music videos. Yeah, you know, they're, they're being produced at higher levels than they ever were. Um, the production value on these music videos is incredibly high; rivals that of any network TV that you'll find, um, scripted or unscripted. Certainly, um, and we're representing the biggest celebrities in the world, right? So the demand that we see in the marketplace for advertisers to associate themselves with a, with what's essentially culture um, pop culture and youth culture uh, is that you know, it rivals that of any other network that you'll find
0: and it's very unique content for sure you talked about some of the platforms you're not on yet that you're looking to get onto over time how far globally do you want to go with your fast services is this the type of thing because as we talked about, music is is one of those types of content that everyone is interested in globally, which many times with other fast channels, we don't see that because of the content is very regional. So music seems to be that one type of content that crosses all barriers. So is this something where Vivo really wants to go truly global with it or still on a regional basis?
1: It's certainly a global endeavor. Um, our content has no borders when it comes to the licensing that we represent Uh, we clear rights in 55 markets we assess each market for its opportunity um you know for inventory and the ad market itself you know on a on a regional basis or pan regional basis we operate offices uh, for direct sales out of london and sydney uh, australia and we do sell globally um, we look at the fast services in each one of those markets as huge distribution opportunities for us, and we do operate fast services around the globe. Um, and then we also localize the content intake for each region that we're operating in. So it's not just Western music, it's it's you know French music in France, it's Italian music in Italy, uh, it's German music in Germany and so on and so forth. So we localize the content offering and then we also obviously engage with the local, media buying community in, in all of those regions. And we've you know, we done a great business and grown dramatically internationally, but we do point to it as the biggest opportunity for growth for us in the future.
0: The biggest opportunity, that's interesting. So following up on what you said there, this is a personal question to you, just of what you're seeing in the market. We see a lot of debate with people that say every streaming service out there has to have fast. And the reason they're saying that is the argument is you have to offer it as AVOD, SVOD, a hybrid, Fast. You also have some saying, obviously, you have to have live sports, which I definitely don't agree with. Do you think Fast has to be part of every offering out there? Or should Fast really only be used as a as a service on a platform when content like yourself that you, that you guys have is so unique that it actually works really well on the format?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think about this quite a bit and, and look at the services that are out there and and the mass majority of the the content owners want to own the relationship with the consumer, um, you know, mainly to drive subscription, right? You know, and we come at it from a little bit of a different point of view. And, and again, it makes Vivo unique. Our content has been and will continue to be free and ad supported on YouTube. And many other broadcasters and content owners would not do that, right? You know, that's... The balance that we strike between having, you know, commercial value and promotional value of the music video, and remembering that the subscriptions that drive the music business are audio subscriptions, um, and that's the that's the main driver of their revenue streams in the in the label and publishing world. So, we do serve that promotional element as well for people to find their their favorite artists, see their music videos, and then go listen to their songs on, on the on the audio side of the business. So, um, I think. You know that ubiquitous distribution strategy our ability to go out there and and push um our content into fast and ctv and virtual mvpds and all of the other you know pieces of the business that we're that we're interested in um is both a commercial opportunity but also a promotional opportunity and to answer your question with with what other broadcasters might do i think it's the same balance they need to strike you know how much of their distribution is purely commercial and is there a promotional element for whatever service that they are trying to you know favor you know be it free or subscription-based um and, and is that free front porch something that They find value in on both sides, the advertising supported side, as well as driving towards subscription. I would think that, you know, from a marketing standpoint, um, it's a good idea. You know, it's, it's a good idea to have your content in as many places as people spend time, um, because the incrementality of that, that time of day and that person, their set of eyeballs, I think is, is hard to ignore. I would want my content to be vying for your time spent every place you go when you turn on your television and start navigating through a six-button mode.
0: Yeah, the key word you said there is balance. I think that's yeah. a good way to describe it. There has to be balance in terms of content offering and what you're offering to whom. If we think about some of the challenges others might have in FAST, I would think many of them, if I asked them, it would probably be around monetization, which I'm guessing is not really your, your highest challenges from a priority standpoint. But if we're thinking about just the overall user experience, what is the biggest challenge you see there for you guys? Is it, search and discoverability? Is it ease of use? And is it is it some sort of technical issue in terms of, I don't think it is, but encoding video or, or playing back on certain players? You're in the living room, which is great. That's where you're saying you're seeing most of your viewing. So that, that's somewhat of a standard. But what is that real challenge for you?
1: I think our challenge has been, you know, more on the programming side to, to just be really good at getting lineups of music videos that hold the viewer over long periods of time and that's really where our experts you know thrive i mean we're from the music industry they have you know very clear indications of popularity they have great relationships with the labels the managers and the artists themselves they understand when new content's going to drop Um, And they obviously understand how our catalog performs, you know, and, and how nostalgic people's viewership can be over long periods of time, depending on the viewer. And also, we program differently to different endpoints. If you come to us and you are a virtual MVPD that is centered, you know, geographically to a different population than we might program on a national basis, we'll tailor make that content to that, you know, to that audience. And we do get that sort of feedback from. A lot of our partners where their their demographics might be slightly different from partner to partner and will change the way we program you know as a result of that and and some of that's just choices of channels that we put on their service and some of it is actually the lineup inside those channels um so you know i think it's a very bespoke way to go about your business but to answer your question technically we've been doing this for a really long time you know there's a supply chain that we have professional music videos coming through the labels That have been distributed on YouTube for well, you know, since 2009. Um, So we're pretty good at the encode side. We're pretty good at, you know, kind of using IP delivered um, services to get our content out to the end user. Um, and, And we've gotten really, really good at the programming piece. And one of the biggest things that we've done recently is to just create an aesthetic, create a programming feel that has a network association around it, you know, bumpers, different types of intros, artist um, call-outs, cross-promotion from channel to channel to really, you know, highlight that network feel and to get people watching more for longer. Um, And those have been things that we've had to learn. You know, there's a lot of broadcasters that are out there that have been doing it for decades. But, you know, as I mentioned, the, the, the world of music television Has not had that muscle flexed in quite some time. So it was kind of fun for us to maybe go, you know, to to go back to the playbook a little bit and start to, and start to really experiment with how we wanted people to experience Vivo and music videos when they turn on their television. And I will tell you, we're all super pleased with the end product. If you have a chance to go on and take a peek at some of the fast executions that we have out there, you'll feel like you're watching music television all over again, like the kind we grew up with.
0: Yeah, you know, I have to agree. The service, if I used, if I could think about one word to describe it, it would be polished. It's a yeah. very polished experience. To your point, it feels like you're watching a linear channel on broadcast TV. It's not, um, there's not all kinds of weird things like I see in other fast channels that are kind of just inserted that many times seem irrelevant. It definitely feels like something you've thought about as far as what should that end user experience be. And you use the word bespoke, a word I love. Because I think a lot of things in the industry when it comes to content needs to be bespoke to the user. So I don't know if this is a fair analogy, but Spotify is, is I think, incredible just in terms of how, based on all the songs I listen to, how they manage to recommend new songs to me that I actually like. Which a lot of times I get recommendations from other services, and it's like, wow, they're not even in the ballpark. Are you doing anything like that after people watch enough content to where? Do you think you can move to the point of where channels will be built on the fly based on what somebody watched?
1: That's the future, for sure. I mean, I think the music business will be the first one to get it right because that genome has been established through multitudes of data over time. And, you know, the reason why, you know, the Spotify's and Apple's and Amazon's are so good at recommending things to you. Is because that data exists, you know, that those those recommendation engines have already been programmed and proven over long periods of time. And the mapping that you can imagine to take that type of genome and just apply it to a catalog, which is very similar, you know, shorter supply than every audio track in the world. But video tracks, we have over 700,000 music videos available to us. We could program to you directly now there's some barriers right you know not every endpoint has that kind of dynamic you know nature that we could program on a on a 24-7 basis but i don't think it's a big leap honestly uh, the technology exists the data exists our ability to program in the back end exists and i say this all the time and I, I i talk about what i think the future of music television is it's exactly what you just described
0: i think that's cool i mean this is all about to me customization as a consumer. So if it's custom and bespoke to each individual user, and if you're building that on the fly, I I think that's amazing. We've got time for one more question. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, maybe just to wrap this up here, is how quickly can you build channels on the fly? Because you talked earlier about pop-up channels during the holidays. Maybe just explain what that is. But over time, do you build these much faster? Or if you're thinking about putting a channel up, does it take months to get there?
1: It definitely does not take months to get there. Um, you know, while there is a fair human element to what we to what we program, there's this great opportunity for us to learn from what's already been watched. And, and some of that intelligence comes from YouTube itself, you know, looking at the relative popularity and the trajectory of music videos. Um, so we do use that data to inform how we program as humans, but then again, you know our relationships with the music industry and and really just the tastemakers that sit in our offices are folks that are constantly have ideas as to what they want to put out there first. You know, we have our you know 50th anniversary of hip hop right now that's out there, um, huge you know programmed opportunity on our hip hop channels and, and and pop channels in general but um, these folks have been that one they've been working at for a long time just because they like it you know they, they've they wanted to get this perfectly right to give you the craziest awesome hip-hop lineup that you could find um, so i think it's it's a balance of human and machine based learning um, and for us we have so much to work with that we can do it relatively quickly and we can do it with such a level of you know confidence that the the channels that we produce will be popular because the content itself is the thing that stands up you know these artists and their music and the visual representation of their music has stood the test of time Um, so we know before you know before that stream goes out that people are going to watch it and they're going to like it and i'm not saying that that applies to everyone out there i think we're in a very unique and fortunate position um to represent so much content that's proven so popular over a long period of time but I will say there's elements, if you watch how we do it, um, that could be applied to other types of content as well. Um, and you know, to just balance out what people are being presented and, and make sure that you know, the, the next level of recommendation, once you've found the thing that you like, is not just selfishly your next original um, but actually has something to do and is relatedly into your mood or into the time of day or the the part of the country or, you know, the mosaic of experience that the recency and frequency of viewership that you've just displayed um, and behavior. So I think um, there's more to come. I think the technology's continuing to get better and better. um, And we're going to, we're going to map with the technology because I think our content is, is, Situated to be the first over the wall, we we can take advantage of the newest technologies, the newest targeting mechanisms, probably faster than anybody else because we have so much content to to program.
0: You know that's that's real interesting. mood and time of day, I I didn't really think of that. I mean, fast is such an amazing topic. We're, unfortunately, we're we're out of time, but I feel like we could just go on for hours talking about all the opportunities out there with fast. And, and to your point, you know, for listeners, you really got to check out what Vivo is doing. It's such I mean, it's such a polished experience. And, you know, music, Man, I think of anyone young or old, they like some sort of music. Yeah. It's so personalized, to your point. So uh, people should definitely check it out. I also like that it's a living room experience. That's where you're getting most of your viewership. It's it's not on the phone, which, you know, these days it seems so much of what we're doing is on the phone. So, again, it's it's another experience as well. So, uh, Kevin, appreciate your time. Uh, definitely appreciate you coming and telling us what Vivo is doing. If, if folks want to reach out to you, I suggest they just they hit you up on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, that's Probably perfect. The, and thanks so much for your
0: time. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks to our listeners. Uh, if you, you want to hear who I'm going to have back uh, week two, uh, just check it out at danrayburnpodcast.com. Also, if there's someone, an executive of your company you'd like to get on potentially the podcast, just shoot me an email, dan at danrayburn.com. I'll be taking submissions over the next couple months. And I'm really looking to cover a wide range of topics as well. So till the next one, thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Have questions for Dan or Mark? Connect with him on LinkedIn at any time. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.